Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Mosfet's the recipient. Colisi to the short side and Kia ora and welcome to the Aotearoa Rugby Pod. One of my favourite things about this job is you never really know what we're going to be talking about next week. And one thing I didn't think we'd be talking about was a 35-7 hammering of the All Blacks by the box. But we did kind of think that maybe Fiji was a chance against England. So it'd be great to talk about that during the show. Plenty to get through on a weekend where the Rugby World Cup and who could win and who couldn't win was all thrown out the window. And now we've got a tournament coming up in a couple of weeks where we just don't really know what's going to happen outside of the fact that France are going to be pretty bloody good. So let's bring the guys in. <laughs> James Parsons. Did you have a good weekend? Um, yeah, I mean, it was good. There was a lot of footy. MPC went well. Uh, but uh, I suppose my two teams, uh, the All Blacks obviously struggled and Harbour lost last minute. So outside of that, there was some good rugby played. I do uh, think it's great for Fiji. Yeah. I thought that was a great result. And, and I thought Samar fronted up as well, which was, which was good to see. Superb. And if that form continues, who knows what the quarterfinals might look like. Oh. Um, just leaves everything in the air. I, th I do agree with you. I think France are well placed. Like they seem to be peaking at the right time. Speaking of peaking, uh, bringing in Bryn Hall all the way from Japan. He's had a couple of rests, and you know now he's going to be ready to bring his absolute A game into this World Cup preview show. We've got a couple of World Cup preview shows, but Bryn Hall, how's it over there, mate? You good? Not too bad. Um, probably actually had a bit of a stop. Actually, um, got COVID on the on the Sunday test before the old yo-yo, so... You got COVID just before fitness testing? Um, yeah, got away with the yo-yo, so got a, bit of, got a bit of stick from the lads, but um, no doubt I'll be picking it up uh, pretty shortly. He was walking down the aisles of the plane, breathing yeah, in everyone's yeah, air. Yeah. <laughs> well, to be fair, this man does not struggle with any fitness tests, so... Um, I think if it, if it was a, a lower number in the team, you'd, you'd say it's well-timed, but for him, he probably would have beaten most uh, crook. <laughs> Okay, well, what we'll do is we'll get into this big time today and what happened on the weekend. But we've also got to acknowledge we're going to have Rico Ioani later on on the show in a series of the interviews we did with the All Blacks leading into this particular program. So let's go. This is the Aotearoa Rugby Pod, so we'll start with the All Blacks. Jipper, I, I know you didn't see that coming. To what degree were you surprised by the result and which parts of the game were you most surprised by? Um... Probably just the, the way the ref interpreted it, to be honest, first and foremost. And that's what sort of started the flow. You know, we said a few a uh, few weeks ago that, you know, sort of set-piece, D and discipline's probably going to decide this World Cup. And, and a big part of adjusting, um, I suppose, to a ref is, is, is about that. And, I, you know, there's a certain way that he interpreted that you couldn't touch the jumper. But, um, you know, from a defensive mall point of view, it's just used as a guide to get your timing right to, to hit in. Um, but because he saw that as, you know, sort of interfering with the opposition before, um, those will be those advantages. And then, because that's the system you trained, it's quite hard to sort of adjust that and get the timing right. And they didn't get the timing right, which led to the cards. And I think from there, you know, there's some pretty solid D in that first part. But I think that sucked a lot out of the tank as well, because they, they were covering cards and then, you know, 
And if you look at it statistically, um, you know, the All Blacks, they were pretty even, if not better statistically, but because of the inability to have 15 on the field for long periods and to stop that more. Like, that's, that's where the problem, and I think if we can rectify that, you know, Jace Ryan's the best in the business, you know, in terms of that, then I don't think we'll see that. Um, you know, if we use the Marks try as an example, because they're short a man, you know, Artie has to have his head in that more. Normally you want to be on the outside so that you can help Aaron out. Mm. But, you know, they had such dominance, it was a great decision to go to that front play. But do you just see how it, it affects the whole um, defensive system and, and you can't sort of be half committed to a mall? So, you know, Artie had to go in and then, you know, Aaron did well to try and get to Marks, but he was never going to stop him. So, um, I don't think it's as drastic as, as that scoreline says. Just before we go to Bryn, I, I just want to, because some people I think are going to raise their eyebrows going, the All Blacks dominated. Then, I don't, know, I don't think it's dominate, but if you look at but, the statistics, um, you know, in terms of gain line percentage, like I yeah. was surprised that they were at 49% gain line percentage, uh, more clean breaks, mm. um, uh, I suppose less errors, um, similar amount of penalties, believe it or not. But the cards really, really drove it home. Less error is an interesting one, Bryn, because my memory of it is that they dropped the ball, struggled to hold it in the tackle. There were all those things going on constantly that the All Blacks, in some ways, while the Springboks were very dominant and very good, were their own worst nightmare with just basic stuff. Yeah, and I guess that, that comes back to pressure. You know, you'd talk around the first half, like the first 20 minutes, man, I think we had eight or nine penalties against us and that came through obviously the ill-discipline at the line-out time and not getting that right and not being able to interpret interpret the ref's way of how I ref the game. I think first and foremost, that's probably a great learning that um, we're able to get it before going into the World Cup that, you know, the Southern Hemisphere, Northern Hemisphere refs, they just ref it differently. And so um, it's a great learning for that group, I think, that um, to be able to adapt on the run with solutions. And look, they probably tried to on the field. Um, no doubt they would have talked around, you know, what the solution is of how we can rectify the line out, which they actually did, you know, in that first half. I think within the first 10 minutes, they didn't actually score from it and they were able to find solutions. But, you know, then the back of that, you know, two different ways of scoring tries. One around the front with Marks and then obviously Quaha Smith in the second half going through that transition area. So the variety that the South Africans used was great in terms of being able to um, get the All Blacks thinking in and around, not just the more, but in and around their attack structures. But, um, yeah, just the discipline areas, uh, it's a massive improvement that they're going to have to have. And then I think also the, the, the handling areas in the second half, I think it was just built to scoreboard pressure. I think with the tries that were being scored, um, not being in that um, that kind of mindset, I think, in that situation, this year especially, not being put under pressure, it all kind of came in um, in one big heap in that second half and we were able to try and, um, you know, try and chase the game, which we haven't done done this year. So um, if you do look at the, it is dominating in terms of the score, you do look at the scoreline, you think the All Blacks were dominated, dominated but I agree with Joe, um, the interpretation of what, we're going to have to look at with these Northern Hemisphere refs, trying to get their right solution focused and then being able to not give away yellow cards and red cards, what, um, which in, in tell really lost us the test match, I believe. The worst thing to do against a Springbok side or even when we played Super Rugby against South African sides is to piggyback them into the 22. So out of the 12 times South Africa entered um, our 22, nine of them were malls. Mm. Yeah, obviously some two trick plays, but, you know, that's a lot... Um, there's a lot more than you desire when, you know, the biggest weapon to stop a all is not give away a penalty. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, because that's the first step. If you if your discipline's really, you know, strong, you're not going to give them that access to the 22, which they did really well in Mount Smart. But 9 out of 12, they're going to the corner um, and they've got variation now. 
um, interpretation of the ref. Um, and, and, and another thing is, when you get offside with a ref, that naturally, I think they look at the team that's given all the penalties a little bit more, and, and, and you get away with a little bit more if you're the other opposition. And that's why I always say, you know, like um, teams that can adjust to refs um, relatively fast, like test the boundaries early, but then then adjust are normally the ones that will come out the better. And, and that's you know the Springboks just put the acid on. There are over mm. a thousand test caps in that 23. You would think that the ability to compose yourself and have the experience to adapt to the ref on the go should have been something that All Blacks team had in spades. Yeah, there was a sense of frustration. Like, you could even see, um, I think it was, uh, I don't know if you remember it, Bryn, when um, Aaron passed, uh, Ethan DeGroote was the pointy end of the triangle in the goal line, and it went past and Sam mm -hmm. Kane had to force it, and then they got that um, scrum from there. Um, you could see sense of frustration because th there was mounting of pressure. Mm -hmm. I mean, no one's superhuman. It doesn't matter how many test caps you have. Um, when you make that many mistakes, you are yes, they'll have systems to go to, but you know the reality is they just didn't get uh, the ability to execute them. For that group, for the next two weeks, the amount of things that they'll be able to learn and knowing that they're going to be playing the French in the first round, the very first game with all the crowd, they might not get things that go their way. You know, let's just say hypothetically, we play that test match, we beat South Africa, and we don't get that opportunity that we had in France for the very first game, which was all these kind of things happen with the riffing, um, not being able to be able to stunt that kind of snowball effect, which which in turn kind of happened for that first game. So um, I know it's not an excuse, but I know the learnings that have been made um, within that group of when they're getting themselves in that situation, um, they'll be a lot better for it. But they tried. Look, man, I can imagine, Egypt when you're in those kind of situations, you'd be thinking solution-focused, but sometimes it just, you can always do solutions, but at the same time, it comes back to an execution and then being able to get the momentum and confidence from there, which they didn't get on the weekend. And they're going to have to, like, uh, depending on where Scott Barrett, um, you know, situation goes, if Brody's injured, um, you know, I don't know what that bench makeup. if they're going to stick with a 33 and not replace someone. You've got you've got Sam Whitelock, Tupovai, which will go into the locking positions. Then you've probably got Luke Jacobson, Sam and Artie, and then you've got Dalton on the bench, but there's no locking cover or another loose forward because Frizzell, obviously, you know, they, they may need to push for either a Brody or a Frizzell to come back earlier than, than the desire in the French game. So it's straight into the, um, <laughs> it's straight into it. It's not, they certainly haven't had it all their own way before they've even entered the World Cup in the situation they're in. And they don't have to confirm that 33 till they go in, so they may make an adjustment um, to, to cover this. It was only a few weeks ago we were talking about the fact that this 18-15 split within the 33, 18 forwards, 15 backs, seemed a little risky. Here we are now, and and it's born as fruit. Is that, it's bad fruit? How does that <laughs> yeah, English go? Fruit. There, there's fruit. There's fruit, Bryn. Well, there is. And I think, look, um, you know, you go in with plans and thinking that, you know, um, if you're looking around more so the loose forward and locking trio, um, you'd hoping to think that we were a little bit thin when the 18-15 split was named, not thinking that this kind of thing would happen right now, but you have to think there are contingency plans around what that's going to look like. And they do have two weeks before they do go in. It seems like Brody's um, recovering faster, so he's on the golf course with a with knee brace. So he can't be, um, can't be too far away. So, um, but yeah, you just like to think, man, if we do get a couple more, little injuries here and there, um, there might have to be an adjustment come in a two weeks time and bring in a, a Sipini Finau, Sipini Finau or you know, someone else in that loose forward six cover, uh, which we, we might have lost in that first game. And then do you lose a winger? Yeah, you, I suppose you have to. Yeah. Um, and that would be pretty harsh, but 
they'll know the outcome of Scott's situation prior to entering the World Cup. So um, you'd have to think everything's on the table mm -hmm. um, because the other option would be you hope um, maybe a back can cover loose forward. I'm not too sure. Um, I know we don't even like fullbacks playing centre, so maybe we don't like backs, um, backs going. So there might need to be a change. I don't know. Like I'm just saying, yeah. there's a lot. If, the, if, if Frizzell or Brody are not tracking ahead of schedule, yeah. they were both not supposed to play that first round. So, yeah, there's plenty, plenty of food for thought. Less defying our Nuku, I presume, is your loose forward cover if you are going to I reckon Geordie. Geordie. Geordie Barrett, man. He's line a big body. You could line out <laughs> option, mate. You get in the air. Yeah. Um, he just replaces his brother. Oh, he can play everywhere, can't he? And he's got the height for it. So, yeah, you're Geordie Barrett. He's like, here's your on the weekend. And so, you have to ask the props and see if he's pushing or not. But I can imagine he, being a Barrett, he would have done pretty well in that space, I think. But even Lester can cover at a pinch. Geez, if you got in that what if, really what if. But they'd get rid of, you'd have to think, um, they'd have to get rid of a winger if they're going to bring in another loose forward because, yeah, you can't be going the whole World Cup with a. With the for the for the back being able to cover the loose forward like that. Yeah. Now we are having this conversation obviously before Barrett's yeah. judiciary hearing, so you know we have to talk around that. But I, I do want to talk about Scott Barrett a little bit because there's history here. There was the 2019 red card, I think, last year for the Crusaders. He caught four weeks um, with a red card. He is now a very senior member of this team. He's now a vital member of this team with the form he's been showing over the last year. He did go and see um, the appropriate mental skills coaches after the last one to try to make sure it was out of his game. What does he have to do now? Well, the hard thing is, is if he hadn't gone near the head, like, and it was hard to see on the footage if there was direct mm. contact, like, did it hit the shoulder to shoulder and then that, you know, it obviously did strike the head at some point because Marks was blown up. Yeah. You know? um, but if he, if he managed to sort of you know, there is the ability when bodies align like that, you can clean maybe more towards the rib area. Yeah. And as long as you keep your feet going and you remain on your feet, but I suppose because it was a straight dive down, um, that's when he, you know, sort of put himself just in penalty range, let alone yellow card range. Um, it, it's, it's a fine balance. Um, I, I don't think it's anything drastic. He's played a lot of rugby mm. um, since, I, I suppose, that incident or those incidents at Super Rugby. Um, I, I, it doesn't concern me. Like it's an enforcer position. Um, you know, it had to set the tone. Maybe the situation, um, but I think you know we've said it. Like a lot of them were out of out of kilter, a little bit flustered. So um, you know, when you do get in that redhead, as they call it, it is. And speaking from experience, um, it is hard to to adjust when you're when you're um, that frustrated with probably yourself and the way the way the game's going. It's also a good reminder, I think, for not only the All Blacks, but I think for for the for the for the teams going into the Rugby World Cup, if you get it if you get it wrong and the ref misses it, that bunker system has been massive in the last you know the last week. You look at the ability of um, you can hear it on the on the refs' mics of I've seen this, I've seen that, and so there's nowhere to hide in that sense. So we've talked about it a lot around adapting to the ref and being really squeaky clean. The, the team that's got the best discipline and been able to adapt to the refs first and foremost, and then also the ability of doing your role, um, not illegally, um, it's going to be massive because, man, with this red card system and, and not being 20 minutes. Yeah, it will, yeah, and we talked about it a lot the last couple of years and the fact that that 20-minute um, spell isn't in, isn't going to be enforced at the World Cup, 40, 50 minutes, you're going to lose a test match. <laughs> and you, So you, you got to be squeaky clean and there'll be a lot of mental skills and a lot of, um, I guess, messages from the coaches uh, to be able to get that right because you could lose a World Cup on it. 
also it was our doing, as in All Blacks ill discipline, like it's they're in control of changing it. Mm. Whereas if you're just blown off the park and you'd given your best shot and lost 35-7, I think, you know, it would be a lot more um, drastic. But it is a record and, and that'll certainly hurt that side, you know. But it is showing the importance and you know, like what does the seven one bench and it actually working <laughs> and it actually yeah. working and we went with a six two. Yeah. They're obviously labouring my point that it's one up front. Um, but like the hard thing is and hate to bring it back to league, but um, you know, they they the uh, New South Wales Blues did something like this. So I think they went heavy on their forwards on the bench and then they lost two backs. Yeah. You know, and that's the only yeah. time it's like, would it be Quagga Smith that would have played because he's played sevens? Yeah. Um, you know, and obviously Reinach apparently can cover pretty much everywhere. But that's the only thing is if, if you lost a few people, it would put you under a bit of pressure. Yeah, I, I suppose you play with Quaka during the season, don't you? <laughs> he's, a, he's an athlete. Would, would you back him to come in a, on the wing or at fullback? Mate, you could put him anywhere. Put him at half back. Um, he's, yeah, he's, a, he's a great guy bringing off the bench. And if you're talking around that 6-2, I, I don't think they'll do a seven-one, but I'd be very surprised if they did that. But that six-two bench, and you can have a guy that can cover that. Look, Quaha can play. Um, he can play on the wing. He's, he's even done it for us when we've been in a what-if kind of scenarios. I mean, he's fast. And look on the weekend as well. That ability that he has, he's the best snatcher I think, Jacklett in that team. And you know, he it was even on the weekend, been able to get a couple of steals, um, and then also his, his direct running to be able to score his try. He does that. Uh, for his bread and butter. So, um, yeah, they've, they've got that great ability, I think, with those forwards and that 6-2 split. Uh, they do it very, very well. I think 7-1 seven seven yeah. will be at a pinch because look, if there are injuries in that back line, you know, a centre, you can't have Reinick or Quaha play centre. Um, so, but look, um, it's probably introduced for us to have that kind of 6-2 split, you know what I mean? I think in, and in terms of where the game's at in that breakdown area and you've got to have big forwards and um, especially forwards coming on and having an impact, um, you know, we might see a 6-2 split with us happening and a lot of teams in this Rugby World Cup doing that. I literally got out of my seat when I saw they were bringing on almost an entire forward pack at once because it was super exciting. I was like, what we love about the Springboks is innovation, whether it's having the coach on the sideline as Waterboy or whatever it might be, they push yep. the boundaries, don't they? And I found that really exciting. But I also found quite disappointing was the All Blacks were obviously suffering at that point. And it, you kind of felt when they saw that happen, maybe they should have been replying in kind instead of bringing on the replacements and drips and drabs because it just felt like this force came through and there wasn't an answer to the question, you know? I think they were forced into it. Like, um, they have to manage the bench in the sense that obviously Newell had to come on really early. Um, you know, Jameson had to be removed mm. so Tupovati could go to lock. So that, it wasn't really in their control in, in yeah. terms of how they rolled their subs. So um, I don't think that was the making or breaking of, of the test match. I think even when the, that bench came on, we all know we were struggling. Mm. Um, and I don't didn't, didn't really... I reckon if that Will Jordan try had been let go, maybe we had a bit of, um, bit of belief and, and a bit of energy going into the break and, and able to come back out. But just felt like it was one of those days, like it just wasn't... It just wasn't going to happen. Yeah. You know, like it just was not going to happen. And, um, you know, I suppose the one bright spot, I thought Cam Roygaard was um, exceptional, yeah. um, president of the fan club, so just needed to get that in there. And, and Mark Talao, I think he, he, he played really well. I know his knock-on was the one that um, took Jordan's try off, but two guys that, you know, performed really well under pressure. Mm. 
think also just with the South Africans as well, and you talk around Ross having that 7-1 split and then bringing it on, I thought the way that they were able to do, this is why I think they're so dangerous in that first half um, and even in the second half, when they do score that point and they're, they're leading by that much, I thought their kicking game from Fuff to Clerk and being able to have the contestables really squeezed us and we weren't able to be able to attack off that. And we had a lot of mistakes, obviously, not just due to the kicking, but the fact of just, I think, being the scoreboard pressure. But, you know, that's what I think South Africa do really well. They have that ability to be able to attack, which we've seen through the rugby championship. Um, but if they're, they're going to get into a lead like that, there's a bit of drizzle um, or something like that. They can really squeeze you and go back to that kicking game with Fuffle Clip, what they did on the weekend. So I think we've talked around, it was our own our own doing in, in, in terms of our, of our discipline and that, but at the same time, what a credit South Africa, especially around their mall. At scrum time as well, they had some good penalties in the dominance and the parity and their set piece. And so I think, you know, it's pretty well um, polished performance, I think, from the South Africans. But yeah, Cam Roygaard, man, I'll tell you what, that was a hell of a, hell of a try and his, his ways of him being able to influence games. I think we massive, I think, and probably cemented him at number two at this stage going into the Rugby World Cup now. This pre-World Cup series has been amazing, you know, like the precursor yeah. to the cup itself. Full of drama. You know, it has been a wonderful setup to get a tournament going, Bryn. It hasn't happened like this before, and it should always happen like this, in my opinion, from here on in. What do you think? Oh, I think so. I think first and foremost, the the squads and the and the teams that can be able to win this World Cup, it's never been so open. So there's that obviously um excitement that anybody could win the win the competition. It's not a foregone conclusion that it's two, two or three teams. Or even Fiji Bryn, Jipper, after that oh. performance on the weekend. Oh, I mean, we've been talking, yeah, he's excited. We've been talking about the draw. You know, you said a couple of weeks ago after the Japan game that this is a team to watch. Yep. And here they are doing what they did on the weekend against a, a very poor England team, and they really showed them what's up. So I know I harped on about this with the Drua, but I was interested to see. They just, and I said this against the, after the Japanese game, their game management is their biggest improvement. Like, So we've got two rucks in their own 22. We've got 15 in their own half, 15 rucks total in their own half, and then um, 63 obviously, in the opposition half. So just to give you a, a sense, like they're just not playing rugby out of their half. They, mm. they've got a good kick strategy, um, you know, and Glenn Jackson seems to be um, taking on the same sort of methods he had with, with the Drua. Um, and, you know, and then when almost like, it's almost like when they get permission is like light it up. Once you're in their half, you light it up, go for it. But outside of that, we're either going to go to contestables or we'll, we'll find a way to sort of get to an edge and then kick. Um, and their discipline around that um, is, is outstanding. Like, they probably didn't quite have that right against France and mm. that costs you. But when they get it right, and, you know, similar to the Drua, they, they win, win test matches. And not only that, is their option taking. So at the end, it was three tries apiece, but Muntz was, you know, pinpoint with his kicking and, you know, I... I don't want to say it was choose him or Benny Volleyball. I don't know. I still think you could fit them both in the squad, but you know he's he made a big statement on the weekend. Like they are they are a genuine um, force with with him at ten, and um, the, the, I don't know just that that forward pack's humming. Their set piece is strong. Um, you know their ability to keep the ball alive when they win collision. It's not reckless offloading. Mm. Um, you know, and, and on the flip side, England are just probably over trying. Like if I use the um, could have volley try. Like there's three guys rushing to the, the player with the ball and he just goes like that and he runs through. Like if 
it's like they were so desperate to solve this, this situation on their own, rather than you know sort of staying connected and staying in that defensive system. Those opportunities don't present itself. But look, I've said it last week. Like when you're in these um, in these teams that are struggling, like you, you do sometimes try too hard as individuals, and, and it breaks the system. And you know, in the end, that's what that's what breaks them down. I think a, a real important guy that I think is going to be massive for them is Frank Lamani. I've been so impressed with his with his game management and his execution of his kicking and understanding of when to kick when they don't have momentum. And along with um, Caleb Munts, you know, I think with Munts as well, I mean, we talked about Ben Volavol and the experience of having him there, but obviously I think with the way he played on the weekend, especially his goal kicking, which I think is massive in, in World Cups to be able to, you know, I think it's pretty perfect from the tee and being able to accumulate those scoreboard points. And I think all the Fijian boys need, especially their outside backs, they don't even need an overlap. They just need a one-on-one opportunity to be able to get past people. You know, you talk around test matches and, you know, the ability to be able to, there aren't going to be massive gaps. You're not going to have those overlaps where you can have a lot of space. And all they need, their outside backs, are another level and, you know, their outside backs, just to, just on the outside, back in the inside to another level and they score a try. And sometimes in test matches, that's all you're going to have. And they have the ability to be able to do that. And I think, you know, their discipline as well was a lot better on the weekend and, and their set piece, like Jip said, um, has been a lot better. So... I think playing the French, they got a really good acid test in the sense of what it's going to look, look like with a really top top tier team. And then I think they must have, was great for them to be able to take the learnings and then been able to implement that against you know an English team that's really struggling for confidence. So not really good. And you know, that that draw, I think they've got a really good opportunity to get into that quarterfinal stage and even you know more than that moving forward on that side of the draw. Topping the pool, even Bryn. Hundred percent. But the way that they're playing and the things that we've talked about. Um, absolutely, that should be their goal. I know the quarterfinal is, but man, that that draw, yeah, definitely, they're definitely in um, a chance of, of going top of that top of that pool. If they can give away seven penalties every game, they probably will top that pool. Mm. Like seven penalties, mm. great game management, putting themselves in the right part of the field. Those seven penalties, where were they given away? They they definitely have positions where they'll chance their arm, and then they're really um, strict within their destructure and systems when. It gets closer to the post and obviously um, to the end goal, and you know uh, probably they haven't been too tested at mall time, so that mall D will be interesting against like a South Africa or um, you know potentially the French. But um, yeah, I mean it's it's definitely looking up. One thing that was very obvious was when Marcus Smith came on, there was a little bit of something about them. There was an intensity, there was a vibrancy in their attack, there was an intensity about a desire to make breaks and make things happen. And I just wonder whether they've got it wrong and whether he needs to be either starting at 10 or slotting in at 15, one of the two. I think he has to be on there. Because he's the one player that um, reads the defensive body cues really well mm. um, and also has the ability to have vision, you know, like the little chip over. And um, and he's passionate. Like, you see when he scores that try, like, it, it, he's into it. So... Um, you know, he he will make some mistakes, like players like that. You know, you just got to live with that. Mm. But they they also can be match winners for you as well. So it's about him tempering that and, and understanding. You know, I hate to use Fiji as an example to them, but you know, not playing, not doing too much of that in your own half. But once you get into your half, you know, mm. if you see something, you know, you got to pull trigger. Yeah, but it's it's hard. Like we we where do you put him? Because you know, Owen Farrell is going to be going to be at ten. You'd have to think whether you shift him off to twelve. I mean, he does play ten, but. I think if, if he even if he comes off the bench, it's been able to bring him on early like they did. You know, that 30 minutes, um, 
35 minutes, possibly even if the game isn't going where you want it. Because I think you are right. He's probably the only really attacking player that I see that has, can, things can happen in and around him. And they don't have a lot of that, I believe, at the moment, especially in, in, in the playmaking position. Um, look, and that's no disrespect to George Ford. He's more of a good game manager and, um, you know, obviously has some good attacking kicks and his general play kicking is pretty good. But Marcus Smith does bring that attacking mindset. And I think that's what England do need. Jeez, it can't, it can't get any worse. You know, you know. At the same time, um, Owen Farrell is going to be there, but whether you put him at fullback and you have that two, that, that two playmaker like we do with the All Blacks with Richie and and Bodie, you got nothing to lose. So I think having Marcus Smith on the field, um, yeah, I'd have him on the field personally, whether it's ten or at fifteen. I, I like him. I like the idea of fifteen. Like I sort of compare him to like a, a Stephen Pettafetta. You know, like you know, really quality first five, but man, they're even more dangerous when they've got that time on the ball and they can assess and inject themselves um, from the back. Um, so, you know, that's that's not a bad shout. Um, you know, tens have to drop back and, and play that backfield and, and deal with contestable kicks and stuff, so I'm sure he'd be fine with that, but it might just be what they need, mm. um, something just to change it up. Well, they can't keep going on, can't keep doing what they've been doing um, because... You know, the body language of Courtney Laws probably says it all. Like, they, you know, yeah. almost looks like they're lost for answers as to where where to go. The commentators were lost for words. They were pleading the team on. I think the last 10 minutes, I think they were just like, you could probably have the, the, the exact same expression as Courtney Laws. They just were defeated. Yeah. <laughs> they were just like, I can't watch this anymore. And I'm just like, oh, geez. Commentators are usually quite. Um, you know, on the fence, but geez, they um they let know their frustration. That's for sure. They were badly disappointed and frustrated with that um with that England game. Mm, I think that'd be probably relatively indicative of what people around the world are going to be learning about teams like Fiji now. You know, the first half they were basically talking about, well, you know, Fiji are sevens players and they haven't been able to get it all together. Blah blah blah. By the end, they knew the truth. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it was it was an eighty minute education for them. <laughs> they clearly hadn't watched many of their warm up games. Yeah, yeah. There was an education. I think the world's going to see an education on a couple of teams this Rugby World Cup, which takes us to Samoa v Island, because. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. They were this close, Jip. You know, they blew two opportunities. They should have won that game. If we're honest, like, it wasn't Ireland's first string side. Um, but um, I suppose the most impressive thing for me was um, what they kept... You know, Irish are normally that sort of bodies in motion, um, dominant carries, getting across the gain line. They, they kept the Irish to 33% gain line, which isn't very high. Um, they had 56% gain line themselves. They had almost double the metres with less carries. Um, you know, they really, they, they dominate. They had disciplined five penalties. So I'm also like, all the similar things we're saying about the teams that did well on the weekend is, you know, they really nailed. The two areas where, um, you know, they'll be looking at most, I would suggest, is probably their line-out accuracy. So scrum was fine, good dominance, so that they operate at 65%, tough conditions. But that's going to be a big part. If, if you can't win that set piece, it just means teams can kick to the 
sideline and almost back, they're going to get the ball back. Um, and then the Maldi. Outside of that, you know, their, their accuracy defensively, their, their ability to manipulate the defence to create opportunity, yes, didn't finish all of the opportunities, but it was tough conditions. Ireland had some opportunities as well that they didn't finish. Um, but it bodes extremely well. Um, and, and the one thing I like about it, there's a lot of players in that side that are based in the Northern Hemisphere, so they know how they play. Mm. You know, that's quite a big advantage, um, having that understanding of how they play and um, where to put um, pressure on. And, you know, I just think they got the balance right um, in terms of when to, when to kick. Mm. They, I mean, they kicked quite a few times, 32 times they, they kicked, so mm. they, they didn't want to play too much in the wet um, and, you know, when to sort of pull trigger. Mm. Um, which, you know, I just think this balance of attack, like this game management is, is really crucial to get right because, um, and that discipline which they, which they nailed on the weekend. On the face of it, there was a kick in behind which got a good bounce for one try and then the Muldi where they just steamrolled mm. over. Outside of that, their phase D, they were hard to break down and sometimes, like, I can't remember what part of the game was, but they read Ireland's kicking cues really well. Like, the midfield would come up and then as they shaped kick, the all, all you know, three of them would drop back and they'd have that kick coverage sorted. Like they're very aware um, of, of what their systems and, and their D allowed them to do. Um, and, you know, knowing Tana, like, he's, he's very, um, you know, efficient in, in the defensive systems he runs and, and I suppose, the simplicity of it. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think they're they're in a good pool. They're they're a genuine opportunity. I mean, it could be a Fiji Samoa quarterfinal. Yeah, you know, it's um, yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah. It's, uh, I think it's exciting though. There's so many um, different teams coming to life. Like it's probably the first World Cup really we've gone into going. Man, I don't really know where this is going to land. Yeah, outside of the French looking like they're yeah. they're on it, like. Yeah, anything can happen. And in that pool, in Pool D, England, Japan, Argentina, Samoa, Chile, you know, counting out Chile, like, the other four teams, goodness me, like, the well, other four teams, anything could happen, England could miss out, and it could be Argentina, Samoa. That'd probably be the initial pick. Yeah, well, the way Japan's going, like, they had another tough weekend, like, I don't know, they're... They just, if they're going to be the storyline again, that, that there's going to be some drastics. Like, I think the storyline of maybe knocking over some, some big teams is probably going to come from a Samoa or a Fiji. Uh, it does make it interesting when it comes to squad management. You know, it had been that you could play a good team against this team or just a bunch of people. And when you're looking at that draw in Pool D, I mean, outside of Chile, your squad management becomes integral because you could get to the quarterfinals having needed to play all of your top players every game in order to get through. Yeah, and I mean, we've already talked about, like, the dilemma of 33, like, teams are so used to having 36. And I know it seems like three players, but it is, you know, look at the All Blacks situation, um, if there's a couple of injuries, that can change everything. Like, these sides are humming, but a couple of injuries to key players and, you know, if you if they're out for the tournament or you want to, you know, chance their arm that they're available for quarterfinals and you don't replace them. Like, that is a that man management is a big part of winning World Cups as well. Mm. I mean, we've seen it... 2011, how many first fives did we go through? Um, and you know that that's going to happen. Yeah. That, that, that's a war of attrition, and um, the team that is best prepared um, will, will flourish. And I think, you know, if you look at it, um, Ireland and, and France have probably played the most players leading in mm. and given the most opportunities. So 
Um, <clears throat> you know, that will be interesting to see how that plays off. Mm. Bruno, it did make you worry as a New Zealander looking at the way the All Blacks have prepped. Having one game essentially in a month leading into that first game, it does feel like they're going to be underdone. And from the weekend, it, it looks like it. Jeff, you know how hard it is when you have even a five-week break, sometimes even a two-week break. It's tough to be able to find that mojo, you know, the little things. And I think on the weekend, there were just little things that the All Blacks were off with, whether it be a carry, a tip ball, or just, you know, an offload a couple of times where they weren't finding finding the right person. So it does, it does come back sometimes. It takes a bit of time to be able to uh, get the feelings going again. And so, you know, it's only two weeks and they will be collectively another two weeks. And they'll, if anything, they'll be, they'll be boiling a little bit of water with how you know, that, that performance went. So um, not ideal, but at the same time, it does take a little bit, as you know, Jip, to get that mojo back, which I probably thought were a little bit underdone yeah. on the weekend as well. well. I agree, but I also want to acknowledge, like, that's the best I've seen the Springboks. I thought the Springboks were pretty good the week before. Um, and I, I don't know if it's just be, you know, by chance, but the two games Sia Khaleesi's been involved in, they just, they've monstered teams. Mm. He's a he's he's clearly an, an integral part to that team in, in getting their their mojo going. Um, so they didn't they just didn't allow us to get our game going. We just couldn't play um, our style just because of their defensive pressure and and I suppose our inaccuracies on on our own defence. So um, yeah, I, I think they've you know like they probably after the rugby championship people were like oh not sure you know and then the way they've named their team. But man, Sia Khaleesi, he is um, clearly. He gets, he gets the, the lads up because they, they've been clinical the last two weeks. And his collision area, his ability to be able to, to, to run the ball, hit rucks, it just adds another dimension to that group, which is already strong. Their loose forwards trio in general and their full pack are strong. But it just, I think it was a good reminder, I think, going into that World Cup, how world-class he is and what he brings to that South African team, not only on the field, but a lot of it coming off the field as well. Let's go um, to the Rico Ioane interview. Now, we did mention last week that this interview was coming up and we had a few questions come in for Rico. Sorry, we couldn't ask them because the interview was recorded a few weeks back when we did all of these All Blacks interviews in one day. But we started off by asking him a little bit about the gameplay, about his change from the midfield or to the midfield and also what it looked like as far as who was the fastest player within this All Black squad. Rico, thanks very much for coming on, mate. Thanks for having me, guys. Apologies for not having Jipper here, your number mm. one fan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My guy. <laughs> <laughs> he would have exploded on yeah. set if, if he had actually been here, but, uh, you know. Nah, all good. <laughs> Definitely looking forward to it. I'm glad Jip's not here. Mm. Um, it's a better cause Yeah, mate, you could arguably, if you had your career, mm. one of the best wingers mm. in the world. But obviously you played centre at Auckland Grammar, you came through the age grade playing that position. How have you found the last 24 months? Because you've obviously played there a lot now. That's yeah. kind of, you're seen as the centre. <laughs> What's been happening around the last 24 months? So you just, we're getting the best version of Rico now. Yeah, I think probably sort of when I was first started playing centre, I guess, um, there was still a bit of chop and change around that, um, that wing role and even, you know, having to cover it late in games. And now... Um, Obviously, still having the ability to do that, but mm. um, I've been able to focus. And coaches now, you know, aren't sort of seeing me as that wing centre. It's yeah. centre first, and um, so I think that that's probably helped. You know, I've, I've got time in the saddle um, in the teams that I've played for, and more um, so just the belief and sort of trust in them. Um, you know, and sort of 
because I've I've always believed in, in myself and, and my game at 13, and it's you know, it's just a matter of sort of other people, um, the coaches seeing that. So, mm. um, you know, that's that's probably the the big part. And then, you know, I've had the sort of the the goats of of the midfield to to work with um, throughout my time. You know, I've I've had Tana, um, mm. Sunny, Skucks for a bit at the Blues. So, um, you know, those three in particular um, for a 13 and. Mm. Uh, a sort of um, 13 that's trying to establish himself, um, those three, you know, you can't look past them. They've, mm-hmm. they've helped me each in the own special way. You've got your speed. I think your distribution has come a long way. Like yeah. you're right now, I think you're one of the best distributors in the world. Um, is there anything in particular that you're trying to hone your craft in to be the best in the world at? I need to get you on the coaching. That's what I mean. That's what we're talking about, mate. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, look, obviously, there's, there's always areas that, that you can get better at, and um, you sort of, you know, defensive tendencies uh, are a big one, and, you know, they're sort of when you get into um, big moments or um, fatigue moments, you know, that that's where sort of your habits need to come into. So it's more so. It's more that stuff. It's not too many big things, although there is big parts of my game that I probably could work on. It's for me. It's about fine tuning those, you know, instinctive moments. So it's not um, to tuck and carry. It's mm. now to draw and pass, or it is to, um, you know, it's to slide and push in defense rather than just, you know, rush up and, and jam. And and it's getting more of those moments correct than than not. So um, that's the way I, I see it. It's those little moments now becoming um, free-flowing because, mm. you know, the centres that have gone before me have helped the game flow and, um, you know, the impacts, although it might not be runaway tries or whatever, you know, they've, they've helped linking, um, mm. you know, they've made all their tackles, they've, they've done their core roles really well mm. um, and I want to be able to do sort of that with what I, um, the flavour I bring to. I look at the try against um, Argentina, the, the line that you ran for um, Damien McKinnon, not Damien's try, who ended up scoring that? Bowden. That yeah, Bowden scored that Bowden. again, I mean, yeah. those are your lines with obviously yeah. Geordie and doing the, the yeah. selfless act yeah. that you're talking about. Do you find that, you know, working with Geordie now and getting that yeah. combination, you've gone through with David Harvilli a little bit, but you feel like you're getting the momentum and the mojo with working with Geordie? Yeah, I think it is. And it's, um, you know, I felt that uh, similar, um, David and I we were gelling quite well before before he got injured, and you know it's now it's a matter of I've I've had you know a couple of games now on the trot with Geordie, and mm. you know seeing what he brings and sort of him bringing his best game to to our backline and uh, me doing me doing me also bringing mine mm. is um, is what we've probably struggled with. You know we we both want the ball and. Um, but now it's about how we can control, you know, mm. both of our, like I talked about, you know, our, our natural instincts is are to carry, and now it's um, how we complement the backline, which is I think in a really nice spot, and yeah. like you said, those selfless selfless acts um, pay huge. Mm. So there's just a lot of conversations between you and him, just figuring it out. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is definitely. I mean, um, you know, he's a he's a big body. He's uh, him and I similar weight, you know, around that. 104, 102 marks. So, um, you know, he's he's always going to attract defenders, and he, he's a like he's like a bull at the gate. You know, even um, off the training pitch. You know, he's he's <laughs> he's, he's bloody intense. But um, you know, he's his ability to offload and attract defenders. Yeah. You know, as a 12, um, 
that's you know that that becomes your your main role and that beca- that's sort of becoming his role in our backline. You know he is that that crash bash um, with the ability um, to kick and and offload. So mm. he's doing it all for us at the moment, and it's cool to see. It's a crazy triple threat game he brings. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And just on that because I think we're you guys have got to at the moment and you're forecasting obviously with the World Cup coming up <coughs> shortly. You see the French and the Irish. Yeah. The Irish came here last year and um, you know, did a job did a job on you in the series. But where do you think where they're at is really important for you guys to be able to get it right? I'm thinking breakdown and you're attacking yeah. kicks, which you guys have done really well in the past like yeah. two test matches. Are those the areas that you guys are concentrating on knowing what's ahead? When they did come last year, you know, their their breakdown was huge and yeah. you know, they're getting two second ball every mm. every ruck, if not if not quicker, you know, the ability for their their bigger boys, their tight forwards to you know, ball play, um, flat at flat at the line with the you know with the backs they have. You know, they they came really well prepared, and um, I think they sort of modelled how how the game was um, evolving. And now you see, you know, the likes of our big boys being mm-hmm. able to to do the same. You know, we're fitter, faster, and as you said, you know, we're we're. Um, well, I feel we're in a place where we're more physical, especially yeah. around that breakdown. Um, you look at our forwards and the work they're doing. It's um, as a back, it's easy to play off, and as a yeah. line, I'm sure you know. 100%. You know, you get to unleash the backs that you have with the forwards doing that. Fitter and faster, Nick Gill, in World Cup year, like, yeah. mm. do you have to temper him? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, look, it's, um, <laughs> look, if I'm uh, having <laughs> as little interaction with uh, Gilly as possible, um, you know, the, the year must be going pretty good. So, um, yeah, look, I, I think, Kelly's been around a while and, you know, he's a very knowledgeable man and um, only recently he's uh, found social media because he posts every every week. But, um, <laughs> yeah, look, he's, he's, he's got a plan and, um, you know, the boys, every every time, every week we turn up, you know, we're we're ready to play and the body's um, hissing, ready to go. You're one of the fastest guys out there. <clears throat> what do you do to maintain your speed and, and how do you go about training to, to keep yourself at, at that level that you need to be, whether it's a standing 10 or a standing 40 or whatever it is? Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, definitely changed. You know, at, when I was playing wing, I was sort of getting a lot of opportunity uh, on field as well as um, at training, you know, like, in, in actual games, I was getting uh, chances to run, but at 13 now, like the opportunities are, um, you know, few and far between um, in in a lot of games. But you know, as you said, you know, working on that stuff during the weekend, um, Gilly in particular, you know, he's he's huge on speed, and you know, he's got all of our, if not all of our backs, even our nines going, you know, 50 meters. We're trying to get that reach that top end because, mm-hmm. um, you know, the game, the way the game's going, you know, everyone. Sort of is expected to finish those those are uh, forty meter breaks, eh? And I'll be like Brendan and I and uh, <laughs> mate. Oh, this guy won't even remember. He was so young. I remember we um I was when I was at the Blues, and you know sometimes when you run the positive line, you know that's about you're just running in that sideline, and every single time it's a lot. It's quite easy to keep up with some players. But I remember Rico a couple of times would go on the outside, and I'd just he'd just break through the line, and I'm tragging like trying to keep up. with This is when I was actually fast as well, and there's no way I was able to catch up with him. So when it comes to speed. Um, there's not many faster. Maybe Will Jordan might be thinking a bit different, but you're pretty electric. Will Jordan, is it? I don't know, I don't know is he? Is that the word game now? Oh, I, don't, I don't know. He does back himself yeah, on nah. Will, as you know. Yeah, look, Jill's, Jill's yeah. rapid. There's a few boys in the team that are, that are flyers. I mean, um, yeah, basically all of our backs, bar probably our 10s <laughs> onwards, and probably uh, Chuck, Cam, and Finn in the, 
Oh, no nug. Oh, you know, nug, nug is a... I don't. I think. I think Finn's got him for for speed. But, um, <laughs> so I chuck. Um, yeah, our tens onwards. You know, everyone can move. So yeah. you're backing yourself. Maybe Jordan second. Oh look, I don't. I don't know. If, you know, and I'm, I'm happy. There's no. There's no uh, Olympics. So this is all just. Uh, this is all just talks. Um, yeah. yeah. Now, mate, just wanted to, we've had a lot of code. This is obviously a code show. Mm. I'm going to take it a little bit lighter. You still into your shoes? Because if I remember correctly, when you were, when I was younger, yeah. you used to wait in line for the shoe label. Obviously, yeah. you're now a little bit more world known. You're getting this for free now, are you? Oh, oh, no. shoes are not lining up at 12 o'clock oh, at night? Nah, honestly, I, I still enjoy the <laughs> the thrill of it. But um, yeah, definitely, definitely not lining up. But um, yeah, look, I'm... I was a big sneaky head and um, obviously now, you know, everything I, I wear is, is, is Adidas. So, when it comes to free, uh, it comes yeah. to free now. Free. <laughs> no, man, I'm just grateful, eh, you know, hand up, not out. Eh? Yeah, that's it. All right, what else keeps you going? Like, we've talked a lot of golf today. Oh, nah, you, yeah, yeah. You're not into golf? Oh, <laughs> nah, nah, not as much as the other boys and I'm sure you've had a, a few that, that love yeah. it, but... Yeah, look, honestly, days off for me are uh, uh, very cruisy, and um, you know, even if they if we get a, a week off or two, you know, it's just uh, myself at home. Um, I've got you know my partner there. I've got my dog and my two cats, and it's uh, it's enough for me. And um, you know, so yeah, I'm basically at home, out at the beach, or or not. It's 26 years old, and you've done so much Centurion. <laughs> 60 test matches you're probably going to be going close to be a centurion as an all black obviously with how long you've signed what are you what are your goals what, what do you obviously want to win a world cup but you've got four years you've committed to new zealand yeah what do you want to do before you end your career here in new zealand i guess everyone's goal is to to bring home bring home that trophy but uh outside of the all blacks environment look i just want to be um the best player i i, I sort of can be and um obviously i i want to get that that, that super title that um Especially, especially back home. So, um, those are probably the the two immediate goals. Um, but then outside of that, you know, there's there's going to be other things that yeah. pop up, and I'm sure in a couple of years' time or a years' time, you know, that would have changed by then. But so mature, man. Yeah. Since when I was with him, love it, oh, love it. <laughs> 26, but he's, 20, been, he's been in the game oh, for like seven or eight years. You know? a, it seems like he's 30, but he's 26. Yeah, still, yeah, yeah. still in his prime. Like I'm 30. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, mate. Well, thank you very much for joining us on the show. Thank you. Thank um, you. Good luck for the upcoming games and the World Cup. Thanks, brother. Thanks, brother. Okay, who's your money on? If you were to put Will Jordan and Rico Ioane in a race, let's say, standing 40, 40 metres. All I can say is Rico will not leave until he wins. Is that so right? So I remember in the gym, we used to do 10 and 20 metres, and Caleb uh, Clark got a got a, quite a quick time, and, and Rico was just running up, you know, multiple times until he did it. Yeah. He will not, he will refuse to lose. <laughs> so for that, I'll, I'll probably back him. All righty. What about you, your old flatmate? Is he in the running, do you think? Will Jordan? What is he like through the lights, Bryn, previously? Um... He's pretty quick. I think it was actually him and um, him and Braden Enwell were pretty quick through the lights. Braden's pretty fast, so um, yeah, Rico's pretty fast. Like I reckon his stride length, he yep. just is. Mm. It's so long. Like I just remember looking at it, it'd be like for twenty meters, he'd 
she'd be all over in four and a half strides, <laughs> whereas there'd be about 26 for me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And now, one of the things that we're doing at Sky is encouraging people to get up for it, because if you're a New Zealand viewer, these games are happening early in the morning, or not so early in the morning, 6.30ish yeah, as well. It's not it's a bad time. time, especially as a parent. You're quite yeah. happy that oh. the call was coming out at that time anyway. Yeah. Don't even have to set an alarm, just set the sun to 6.30 and <laughs> let him scream out. But, yeah, so getting up for it is going to be a big thing in the Southern Hemisphere to get up to watch these games. So one of the things that I really want to know about, Bryn, from you, is what is your best memory of getting up in the middle of the night to watch Gamma Rugby? I'd have to go with two. The first one was when I was a young guy. It was the um, the Bledisloe Cup match when Jonah Lowry scores it in the corner. I was um, I was with my mates when I was younger. We were like at a sleepover. That's how young I was. I was, I was at a sleepover. And um, we ended up watching that. That was a pretty cool one. And then I think with the 2015 final, I didn't think I, I don't think I slept. I tried to stay up and we were out in um, out in Auckland town. So with my, all my best mates, there's about 10 of us. And we were at a Brittany Mark Country Club at the time. Which I don't think is there anymore, but um, yeah, we were up all in all early doors in the morning there, so yeah, she was a good one. You made it to the game. <laughs> I stayed awake. I stayed awake for it. So um, <laughs> yeah, there's a few people which kept me up. So no, that was a good. That was a good memory. 2015 World Cup final. How old were you in 2000 when Jonah scored in the corner? I was. Well, I was born 92. I was like eight. 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 I think. Eight. Yeah. Got up early. It was nice. Oh, late, late, sorry. I was studying high school. It hurts. Um, I was just of drinking age, so I had a good time there. Yeah. Um, mine, uh, I reckon, like, my first one would have been the semi-final against England um, in 95 World Cup. Um, I remember that was that was pretty big because, obviously, the, the steamroll of Mike Cat happened and um, I was probably similar age to Bryn. I was probably about eight um, then. And it was always a big thing in, in our household um, to get up, especially World Cup. So uh, there's that one. And then obviously in 96 as well, I just remember seeing Fitzy on his knees banging when they yeah. won when they won the um, first sort of series in, in South Africa. So, and they were hard on their line. Like that was, that was, a, that was a big moment. Um, so yeah, it was, it was always interesting. Do the hucker as a little kid. You just thought, yeah. get a Milo. It was, it was, it was good times. <laughs> Now, of course, we're two weeks away from the World Cup and you can catch all of that on Sky, whether it's on the Skybox with a subscription or on free-to-air on our free-to-air channel, Sky Open. Catch all of the All Blacks games and all of the playoff games there. So there is plenty to catch and it's all right here on Sky Sport. Super stoked this is coming up. Two weeks to go, Jipper. That's awesome that it's all free-to-air. The country's going to enjoy that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, because it is going to be a huge tournament. Oh. So we'll see what happens. First game against France, of course. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Thank uh, you again, Bryn, for, for tuning in. I presume you'll be watching it from Japan, right? Well, I definitely will be, but it's um, we're three, four hours behind when it'll be on, so it's going to be like 3.30 in the morning, so it's like I would be back home if it was usually, so um, it's usually good timing over here, but it's all right. I'll be up early doors, Ross and Chip, to watch that game live. France, All Blacks, round one, how good. He would be coming out of a bar in Rapongi at uh, yeah, He might time. be. You never know. You never know. <laughs> Fair enough. And Jim, thanks again. Cheers. Next week, we'll be on again. Uh, we'll have a special guest. Uh, his name is Ben Darwin, former Wallabies prop and a guy fronts up a company called Gainline Analytics. We've had him on the show before. Please go back and watch that show with Ben Darwin from a couple of years ago to get a feel for what we'll talk about. Ben is absolutely 
huge on things like cohesion, on statistics, and his company works in with lots of sporting franchises and all sorts of sports all around the world. And you can give a great insight into what we can see from the teams that have played, who they've played, and all those kind of things. Put them together to have a look at who might just win this World Cup. So should be a great time next week on Aotearoa Rugby Pod. Thank you once again for tuning in, whether it's on an audio pod, whether it's on Sky, or whether you're tuning in on a rugby pass around the world. Thank you very much. Mate. Thank you.